Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of The Circuit. I am Ben Beharin. Greetings, Internet. I'm Jay Goldberg. Well, Jay, another week doesn't go by that entity lists and conflict with China and other nations that we're not friendly with uh, come up in the news. A interesting uh, report came out of Reuters today that uh, apparently Risk Five is now on the uh, what do we say on the spotlight on the potential concerns of several uh, several of those in Congress. Um, obviously, because Risk Five is a open source standard, open standard architecture, and as we have talked about for at lengths of time, uh, is being used by a number of Chinese manufacturers because it's free, It's they have no access to x86, there's a complicated relationship between ARM and ARM China, um, it makes sense, right, for them to possibly be doing more custom chicks, CPUs, etc. on RISC-V, uh, but now that's sort of come into... Uh, Come into some uh, some some hot water as this report uh, talks about relative to to Risk Five and uh, potentially some cutting in cutting back or um, pressure for American companies to not use this because of China. I don't know. It seems all very strange. Uh, I'm not entirely uh, sure this report does a great job talking about the. Uh, the potential here and the need for a third architecture, but I'll stop there. You read the report too. We know Stephen and Max uh, well, so initial thoughts on potential risk five sanctions. So I I just want to be clear. You're saying that something in the American political realm is confusing and not entirely clear. Well, and and perhaps news around it and uh, perhaps <laughs> Congress folk not having any idea what they're talking about relative to semiconductors uh, and the industry, possibly, I guess. I'm shocked. I'm saying that. Shocked. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I when when the big restrictions came down October of last year, we're recording this on October sixth, twenty twenty three, the restrictions came out October seventh. So this is, I guess, an anniversary of the restrictions episode. Um, the the one of the big glaring things that was missing. There are lots, but one of the really ones that really stood out for me that in all those restrictions that came out, there was not a single mention of the word intellectual property or software. And I thought that was n- notable. Uh, I guess we'll get into it later. There, we'll, we'll talk more about there's changes potentially happening on that front as well. But it was really weird to me that nobody talked about IP and, uh, you know, what is ARM's position? How are they How are they going to be impacted by the entity list? They kind of continue to walk a very fine line when they talked about this kind of topic in their in their IPO prospectus. They they didn't explicitly say that they were doing anything or that they were restricted, but there was they were clearly it was on their minds and. I think they they were concerned that they would get restricted. Um, They certainly set up that whole JV China, ARM China exists because 10 years ago they anticipated having IP problems, licensing problems, trade problems uh, in China. So 
it's something that everybody's been talking about, but so far there's been no U.S. explicit regulation on this front of IP. And mm. and so a big part of the interest in Risk Five among Chinese chip companies is that their notion that this is entirely free, it, free from political restrictions. Like it's something that's safe because they you know they they know that they're they risk getting cut off from ARM, and and so. They said, "All right, we're going to go to Risk Five because it's open source. Nobody can cut us off from that." Now there's talk that the U.S. is going to revisit their, these regulations, probably tighten them in some way. Are they? Are the regulators looking at software, looking at ARM, looking at IP in general? So it makes sense that this is a topic right now. Uh, the The big question I had reading this report is, how are you going to? implement that it makes no sense there's no way to do it because it is open source it's all out there and in theory you can restrict u.s companies from not in theory you could you could absolutely restrict chinese u.s companies from helping chinese companies harden their risk five processes into real into real chips but who cares like i i don't think any chinese company needs a u.s company to do that for them uh, they can get, they can probably do it themselves. They can certainly get help from Taiwan. I mean, the big Taiwanese design firms are doing great business helping Chinese chip companies with their designs. So, I, I think, I think there's certainly interest in some parties around restricting U.S. supplied IP to Chinese companies. But in practical terms, Risk Five is it, it's very going to be very hard for the U.S. government to regulate that in any meaningful way. Yeah, I mean that was my takeaway is that it's it's going to be very very hard and it's somewhat silly to think the way that this is architected from a standard right from an open viewpoint that, that they could even rein it in and even just insinuating the idea that they want to crack down on U.S. companies using this. I mean, as we've talked about before, almost everybody uses everybody who makes silicon and to some degree makes hardware products uses Risk Five in some capacity today for an element of differentiation, a microcontroller, etc. Right. So there's no there's no stopping that train. What I think though is important and in looking at this over the the long haul is I like the idea of a third architecture something that is not monopolized, if you will, by a few people or defined by one central entity, but in this case, a vast diversity that can exist. And, and I think there's there's good reason to have that optionality. I mean, as much as, you know, ARM is a, a great solution, right? And people can buy chips from ARM and or customize chips from ARM. I, I think if you're a big chip company, you want to have a plan B in case they get to a point where it's just too expensive for you to continue to to operate on ARM. Or maybe you think there's a better technology for your stack. And, and you know, some of the things we've talked about with RISC-V being mo a, a more modern design or modern approach, I think is super interesting. So I, I, I just say that broadly as to, I like the idea that there's a third option that to some degree is consortium controlled open. Some of the ways that we've debated would be good for ARM if they would have taken a different path than IPO or, or whatever. Um, and so I like this. I like that that's an option. And I think it would be terrible if the government really took some 
backwards approach to try to regulate that. Not again, we we agree maybe they can't, but I just think keeping risk five moving is in is in everyone's best interests. And we recognize what China can do, but I like the idea of a third architecture that's available for everyone, and in this case China as well, to use and customize and perhaps do their own thing for their own product ambitions. Yeah, I, I think this this is something that cuts to the heart of the dilemma of these trade restrictions or just sort of industrial policy in general is that you risk doing more harm than good with your policies. And if, yeah, let's just say the U.S. government could find out some way to cripple risk five, I don't think that's in anyone's best interest except maybe arm. Uh, I think... I think the U.S. would be the U.S. chip industry would be hurt by that, and yeah, uh, I, I think I think there's you know a, a broader. I mean, that's certainly the broader claim that's t- taking place right now in Washington around these restrictions is that it's hurting U.S. companies more than it's hurting Chinese companies, which is highly debatable. But it's there is no question that we are the U.S. restrictions did have uh, did take a toll on some of the chip companies' revenues and prospects. Yes. Yes. Well, and on on that point, um, I don't know if 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 you saw or everybody saw the it went fairly viral. This uh, talk that that VC Bill Gurley gave at um, the All In Summit, where he basically it was a great great talk on regulatory capture and how basically un- it's universally true that regulatory capture um, benefits the incumbents, and so that's why incumbents right. go and will say like, yes, regulate us, regulate these things because it benefits incumbents. And, and I agree with you. I think all trying to regulate risk five would do is help arm and to some degree, uh, X86. So that we don't want that. It, it will be interesting to see where that goes. Like I said, I think it's very difficult, probably unlikely. This Reuters article was kind of the only one that kind of came out where, um, folks in Congress and House of Representatives did did comment on it, but I think it's overblown. However, there is still these including or impending entity list things where you've got like, just like you said, you've got Intel in the, in the mind's eye, AMD, NVIDIA, Marvell, you know, you name it, right? Broadcom warning the government to not be so restrictive because it is 100% hurting their revenue. And arguably, if generative AI becomes more and continued of a thing in China, there's that's opportunity for your NVIDIAs, your AMDs, and, and Intels. So the, we have this, it sounds like an update's coming from the Biden organization on, uh, on entity lists, but you're hearing this, this continued friction of what it could do to their economics. And I think you've heard that several times now, even in investor meetings and notes that have come out. Um, And I think that's why they're hoping for either some easing of restrictions or perhaps some, I don't know, some more balanced approach like we've we've talked about before. Um, But I think those concerns that on their revenue is, is a big one. And that continues to get called out in, in, like I said, some of these earnings, earnings calls and investor meetings. Yeah, I, I wrote about this a long a long time ago, uh, well, back in like during the tr- sort of Trump administration. The biggest 
weakness in the Trump era administration, and I'm not blaming the administrations, I'm not getting political, I'm just saying if those, that, that regime of uh, trade restrictions that took place then, the biggest loopholes, the biggest weakness in all of those were lobbying efforts from U.S. chip companies, spe- specifically around Huawei in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Hu- Huawei was put under some really, really strict restrictions back in, what, 2018, 2019? No, yeah, around that time, or even earlier, sorry. And um, it they still stayed in business. And we see that, you know, most recently they had their, their chip. We talked about this a few weeks ago. They're still you know, still in the phone business, they're still in the base station business, right? They're still selling a lot of base stations. And I, I've been wondering, like, how are they able to do that even under all that, those tight, those tight restrictions? And it, it's largely because every U.S. company, as soon as those rules came out, every U.S. chip company got, you know, called up their IP lawyers and said, all right, let's do a rigorous review of all the chips we can sell to Huawei and figure out which loopholes we can get these through. And it, and it was a, ended up being a really porous regime. Of, of rules and Huawei, you know, live to live to fight on. So he, now that we had a, a much tougher set of restrictions put in place in October last year by the Biden administration around not just Huawei, but all of China's chip companies, the leading edge. And there is a, a, a real concern that we're, you know, history is going to repeat itself and, and U.S. companies are going to start pushing back and watering and pushing to water down the restrictions. And I think that's it's a very legitimate concern, and uh, on both sides, right? It's it's we you know I think most most of us would agree that the restrictions, the intent of the restrictions is is something that is is good for the U.S. national interest, um, but in good intentions are only a small part of this. The the bigger question is can they actually deliver on those, and we'll see we'll see what this new round where this ends up. You know when when the October restrictions came out last year. It was noteworthy. They, they basically went in place. They took effect immediately. Right? There was like a, a week or two window for companies to respond, and then the restrictions went in place. And behind the scenes, what I, I'm, I'm pretty sure what happened was the Biden administration saw what had been going on with the Trump restrictions and said, we're not going to give the U.S. lobby, the U.S. industry groups a chance to rally behind this or do anything. We're going to put these in place so quickly that they can't they, they can't fight them off. Now, that came at the cost of those rules being kind of weird. Like, there's a lot of weird things in those rules, things that aren't industry practice, weird, obscure processes that get banned that are totally meaningless. You know, you didn't, you didn't actually have too many industry experts able to weigh in on this and think about things that could be more constructive, but it also prevented any, any uh, lobbying effort against them. So now the, the SIA and the chip companies in general have had a year to regroup and uh, and are now looking to do something mm. and well, push back on this somehow. Well, and, and this one appears, to, and, and, and this is where I'm curious how you think about this, because I've been thinking about this in terms of it's it's different in that there isn't a, I mean, Huawei's still the concern, but that's less the concern here. It's now more broadly hurting China's efforts to increase their capabilities in generative AI. So the ability to get GPUs to train models, the inv- the ability to get, I mean, even models in general. I mean, they get, this makes an interesting question going back to the Risk Five thing. Like, are we stopping uh, a China from download from accessing Hugging Face? You know, like, can they not download? I know they want to build their own, but are they not able to get open source models? 
that are already trained? You know, are we are we stopping that as well? Um, but this one feels technology focused, like they want to impact their interests in generative AI, not just one, you know, company in this case, Huawei. And so I'm curious if that's like, does that mean it plays out differently? Does that mean that, I mean, not, not like they, they put a lot, of, a lot of forethought into these restrictions anyway, but it's different, right? Because it is such a broader category. And then again, that category hurts Intel's efforts there, AMD's efforts there, NVIDIA's efforts there for training and inference. Yeah, I mean, so the the October restrictions from last year were their explicit purpose, their stated purpose was to limit the People's Liberation Army's ability to modernize its arsenal, essentially. They wanted to limit the PLA's ability to get a access to advanced chips. And that's for, uh, that's for a lot of things. It's for, you know, advanced chips to go into missiles. It's for simulation, simulating atomic bombs, all kinds of things that the PLA could use advanced chips for. In you know, in, in, since those came out in the, in the intervening year, generative AI has become this big hot topic that is very much on our minds, but also on the minds of sort of the general population, i.e., the voters. And so there's, you know, I, I don't think the PLA will be too limited by not having a, a chat bot to write their, you know, write their marketing materials. Uh, but I think the broader idea around uh, transformers, large language models, I, I'm sure there are military applications for for those as well. And so, you know, part part of me thinks that like all this focus on LLMs and AI is kind of beside the point. But we're going to fall down that we're going to go down that rabbit hole and we're going to get sort of stuck in that trap because AI is such a hot topic. Uh, I don't I don't know that it's really going to advance the U.S. national interests to do this. But again, it's, you know, I don't think we can, I think, I think, you know, the, the genie's out of the bottle or pick your metaphor. China already has some pretty good AI capabilities. Uh, I think the, the, the root idea behind the original sanctions was to limit the, the access of Chinese companies in general to get access to advanced compute clusters. But then, then all, all these Chinese companies started just using, running their models on Azure and GCP and AWS. So are those going to get limited too? That's another thing that wasn't right. in the restrictions. Like, right. can the PLA run its simulations on, you know, AWS Singapore? Again, I think they've they've kind of been cracking down on that loophole, but there's nothing comprehensive here. And so it's a messy, complicated subject, and I think it's going to get messier soon and more complicated and probably not messy in a good way or mm -hmm. constructive way for anybody. Yeah, I think that's what most people have been have been warning toward um i'm curious how like how, how how can one expect this to continue to play out and i say that specifically because again these re re restrictions will come and then next year is an is an election year does that mean it gets even worse in that scenario yeah. is there like more blood than in the water because it's an election year, meaning that we're just nowhere near any type of decent resolution here. I, I you know, it. I, I, I sense that's a, almost a rhetorical question because we both know the answer, right? I, you know, the, it, it, in this in this country, we are d so divided on so many topics. The one thing that both both parties, political parties, can agree on seems to be 
let's bash China. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I think the restrictions are going to get worse. It's a, it's an easy political stunt maneuver to pull to be tough on China. Who's tougher on China, right? And that's unfortunate because uh, it is going. It, that's why I'm worried about AI. Like, it's just what I'm saying is that we're going to get focused on these sort of uh, less substantive issues and not necessarily regulate or policy build good policy uh, because we're going into the 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 silly season of of silly a US season. major US election cycle. Yep. So how oh, how yeah. let's let's say that this continues to impact give me give me the investor viewpoint here. So let's say this continues to impact financials in some way. Again, I don't think it's going to take a a massive hit, but are are will that get relatively priced in? Like people will just say, "Okay, I know you had run right to China or whatever, and we know that you don't get restrictions or restrictions hit you." So are we're we're giving you some grace there. We're pricing in some of that as they think about those things. Because again, yes, it impacts them financially. It's also not the company's fault via sanctions. So has, what's the what's the investor view of that look like when? when there might be a clear path to sanctions hurting revenue. So I don't think it's fully priced in because to really price things in, you have to factor in the real, the really dark dooms, not doomsday, but the really sort of extreme scenarios, like not saying war, but just like we increase sanctions and China finds a way to increase sanctions and it goes, it sort of escalates from there. And I I think no one's really looking at that. Um, You know, on the, on the other hand, if you look at the the direct revenue impact so far, it's been relatively minor on all these companies. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Nvidia, what they say, two hundred million dollars this year. Okay, Nvidia, Nvidia can seems to be doing okay despite that. Um, I, I think I think there is a lot worse things that can happen that are not factored in, but I do think there is growing investor awareness that the U.S. Chip companies have a lot of China exposure, and probably you know everyone's being a cold hard capitalist here. They're going to support the chip companies' efforts to push back on those. Right, big Nvidia shareholders, to the extent that they have any political influence, are probably going to be encouraging the government to loosen up things a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's you know that's 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 why all this lobbying is. That's why we have all the loopholes that we do. So. Yeah, the U.S. The U.S. election is not going to help, and I think investors are worried about the election that, and don't you know don't want to fully think about how how bad things can get in China because I don't I don't I don't most of us don't think it's going to go there, um, but it could get much much worse than it is now. Yeah, and and well, the the other thing too that makes it complicated is is the the U.S. Gov- the the Chinese government if it feels that it has to retaliate it may not actually retaliate against U.S. chip companies, right? They want U.S. chips. They don't want to, they don't want to, they're not going to limit the imports of NVIDIA chips to China. They're going to, they're going to lash out in some other place. And we've talked about this before. It could be Apple. It could be Cisco. It could be Boeing. It could be, you know, U.S. agriculture. That's, that's a, that's a pretty likely one. So there, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's a pretty broad target universe if we start going down that path. Yeah. Well, and I'm, and I'm curious too, because I read a couple of notes 
from some banks on this, and and there was some initial optimism that you know call it the players, not Nvidia, would be able to benefit from some of this from a Gen AI standpoint, namely AMD and and Intel with more of their training focused products. Um, there was some read that the number that Intel gave around a billion dollar pipeline for Gaudi had some China opportunity built in, which again, we know why, but that kind of sucks for you know an Intel or, an, or AMD when they might've been able to provide a competing part while Nvidia is still focused on just meeting demand here with, with GPUs. Um, and so I'm, I think they're going to factor in some of those things. Like how much upside are you saying is global versus the U.S., which they may or may not, or, or, or non-China, excluding China, which they may or may not say. But I know that was an initial kind of thesis. Maybe other people might, might have some more opportunity there. But it, it seems like if these sanctions are, are broad to Gen AI, like we thought it's going to hit all those products as well. I, I think, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's, this is the big area is around generative AI and limiting opportunities for people not named NVIDIA. I think that's a good point. Uh, I think there's there's a, a whole other category of, of companies we have to talk about, which is the wafer fabrication equipment, the semi-cap companies, mm. two who are very much in the spotlight. And and I should give a shout out to Dylan Patel at uh, Semi-Analysis, who, who has been uh, beating the drum pretty fiercely on this topic. He had a, a, a post a couple weeks ago, and he's been done some follow-ups and has been all over Twitter, just pointing out how leaky the sanctions are around what is ostensibly trailing edge WFE equipment, right? And and how, if you look at the, the semi-cap companies, Applied Materials, Tokyo Electron, Lamb, go down the list, mm-hmm. that all of those companies are having huge, huge years, uh, huge revenue boosts from selling to China. And they're, you know, they're fully compliant with the regimes, with the rules that were written in last October. Mm-hmm. But all the Chinese foundries are just buying all the equipment they can. And they see what SMIC has done to get to let's let's call it seven nanometer, there's clearly you know going to be a lot of all the other founders are, are all fabs in China are going to do the same thing and try to use you know let's just to simplify it they're going to use DUV equipment to do as much EUV processes as they can, and I I think those those companies probably need to be a little bit concerned about where the U.S. restrictions are going to go because I think the U.S. regime trade stuff. They have not figured out all the. They haven't obviously thought through all of this. Uh, they're like I said, they're big gaps. One thing they have focused on pretty tightly though is semi-cap equipment, right. and I think to the extent we're going to get any new rules soon, it's going to look really hard at those those companies and and what's been happening. And so that definitely is not priced in from investors, but I think there's a really good chance that those companies start to see further limits on what they can sell to China. Right, and the implications for that is potentially broad in impacting US companies if 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 the wafer and semicap companies have to drastically either cut back or their revenue is hurt then they're going to have to make some pivots whether that's scaling back or something it's it just it, my point is it could cause some drastic ripples in the supply chain unintended consequences as always happens with these with these sanctions um, that impact everybody as well that aren't in China trying to buy these things yeah, I mean, I actually, I just took a quick look at the stock market, stock prices. Th- those companies have started to feel they're all down over the last month. So I think there is some awareness that they're, 
among investors that those companies are, are now in the spotlight. Uh, I don't think investors have gone through the whole universe, though, to really look at what's going to happen to some of these other companies. Yep. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's going to come at a, a rough time for the semi-cap companies because we're clearly past the peak of the cycle heading into a downturn. They've had, yep. you know, what, four or five years now of just record numbers. Uh, the, the rest of the market is turning down. And now they're, you know, everyone's talking about them cutting orders. If TSMC is cutting orders, there's that rumor going on and out there. Um, right. if, if now you see China, China sales are going to get further restricted, that's going to be a rough time for, for some of those stocks. Yes, yes. Agreed. Okay, so sanctions, we're expecting them soon. I guess we can use this episode as sort of our primer to that. I'm sure we'll talk about it uh, again at some point when news comes out and we hear commentary from the companies themselves as well as uh, as well as investors. So, um, so we'll we'll leave it at that for now. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will talk to you next time. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thank you.